everyone. Welcome back to the Crim Academy, where we are criminally academic. My name is Jen, and I'm here with my co-host, Jose. Hello. And today we're speaking to mother, doctoral candidate, and our fellow academic colleague, Kendra Clark. Kendra is a six-year PhD student at CU Boulder in the sociology department. She recently defended her prospectus for her dissertation, where she explores cultural adaptations within correctional institutions and post-release using a theoretical framework she developed as part of her master's thesis. Outside of her academic work, Kendra enjoys doing home renovations and watching Harry Potter on repeat. Kendra has a 60-month-old son who was born at the end of her fourth year in graduate school, and she's continuously learning how to navigate the intersection of parenthood and graduate studies. Hi, Kendra. Thank you for Hi. joining us. Thanks for having me. And I must say that the kid part is sort of a prerequisite for this episode. So we're pretty happy that you met the requirements. <laughs> I am qualified to speak as much as maybe anybody. Yes. Yeah, I will probably get a lot out of this episode as well. By the time this drops, I will also have a kid of my own who will probably be about three or four months. Remind me when you guys are due? November 7th. November 7th. Oh my gosh. Wow. That seems like it's coming up so quickly. I know. <laughs> when I first heard the news back in March, I was like, oh, nine months seems like such a long time. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. No, here you are. And in just a few blinks of an eye, you'll have a 16 month old. And then I imagine it continues to go super quickly. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, your kid's going to be almost two. Yeah. When is it? When will this one drop? I think sometime March in March. Ish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll turn two in May. So, yeah. yep. Oh, that's so crazy. I was actually just thinking this morning about how it's been two years since you were pregnant. And yeah. I was like thinking about when we were all in criminology theory together with David. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that was a terrible time for Kendra. That was so rough. Yeah. So oh, yeah. two years ago in August is when we found out yeah. that we were pregnant. Well, that I was pregnant. And yeah. Oh, geez. That, the- that's, that is what, that was the first semester of my first year. Yeah. Wow. So much has changed. I know. <laughs> And then I remember you were the TA for our data one class. Yeah, I actually went into labor on the day of your guys' final. Yeah. <laughs> you texted me, I think. Hey, how's everything going? You're not here. And I was like, obviously. Right <laughs> yeah, I think we all had an idea when you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> Good happening. And then I think Jason was just like super giddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, so obviously this episode is about parenthood in grad school, for those of you who are listening (laughs) to us talk, and we're here to talk with Kendra, who went through quite a few different graduate school mile markers while pregnant and while being a mom. So we're here. Sorry, I think there's one more thing that we should mention that for some reason Kendra omitted from her introduction. She also won the student paper award for the Division of Correction and Sentencing at ASC. Yay. <laughs> Anne is on the job market right now. Yep, doing doing all of the things. All of the yeah, things. all the things. So Jose, do you wanna get us started? Sure. So 
you know, we're talking about having a kid in grad school. And I think most people feel like the advice that you get when this subject gets brought up is, no, don't do it. Like, that's a really bad idea. How did you end up deciding to have a child in while in graduate school? And what were some of the steps you took to prepare for motherhood? Yeah, I would say that parenthood is different for everybody. But when you are a graduate student, you're right. I think that the collective advice is maybe hold off. But it's interesting because there's not really a agreed on hold off until when. It's not great to have a kid when you're a grad student. It's not great when you're a candidate. It's not great when you're ABD. You don't want to be on the job market and be pregnant or breastfeeding. And you definitely don't want to be pregnant or breastfeeding when you're on the tenure track. So like for a lot of people, everybody maybe that wants to eventually have kids, it's hard to know when that time is correct. Even when you're not a graduate student, I think it's kind of hard to decide when that time is correct. So for my partner and I, my husband and I were together before grad school. And I think that one of the things that we knew going into this was that we were going to be expanding our family before I graduated. So we didn't really know when, but we knew that that was something that we were going to do during this five or six year journey. And so really early on in my graduate career, I think during my second year, I set up a meeting with... Steph Mulborn, who was the grad director at the time, but I chose her more based off of just like, I felt comfortable talking to her about my personal life. And like, I, I respected her, admired her and thought that she would be able to give me good advice. And so that meeting, I sat down and just talked to her about my intentions of wanting to expand my family and trying to poke her brain for when she thought that that might be the best or best time to do that. So there was a few other women in our department who had got pregnant and had babies before me who were like kind of the trailblazers that made my life a lot easier and made my decision maybe less alarming, shocking to some of the other faculty in the program. And their advice, I talked to most of them, was maybe to try and do it before defending and being on the job market Not so much because of the stigma, but just because of the time that's required. Most of them had their babies when they were right at the end and on the job market. And some of them had to delay their progress forward for a semester or something just because the time getting everything completed gets really difficult. So from that, I decided we were probably going to try to get pregnant after coursework that maybe coursework my course load obviously would be less and then I was in a really great situation when I won my NSF fellowship which gave me three years of non-teaching funding and so at that point I went back to Steph and we like really kind of planned out the rest of my grad school trajectory of when I would take my funding and when I wouldn't so I taught when I was pregnant because it's a lot easier to teach when the baby is still controlled inside of your body. Um, and it's not able to disrupt you except for I was sick my entire pregnancy, as you guys know. So there was some disruptions in my teaching, but much less so than if the Sutton, that's my name, would have been out in the world already. 
And then I've been able to be on my fellowship my whole time as having Sutton Earth side, as I like to say. So that worked really well. So I think just soliciting advice from people that you respect and that you feel will be able to give you quality advice. That's what worked best for me. And then also just following your gut. We already talked about that people's advice is going to be not to do it no matter what. I mean, nobody is ill intended, but it's hard to say when's the right time. And it's hard for people who aren't wanting the same thing as you to understand. And so you just have to make the decision for your family. Like David, my advisor always says, they're not going to read your CV at your funeral. So making these big life choices has to be kind of something that you and your family make together and you just make it work. You figure the time out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you put a lot of thought into this journey. Yeah. I was really nervous about making it all work out. Said, you know, year of not succeeding. I mean, I remember like our first real time together, Kendra was what a nine hour drive to Texas and then a nine hour drive back. And I remember us talking about this. And I mean, that was one of your main goals, you know, like when people, I feel like think about grad school, it's always like your first goal in life is to like finish that. But for you, it always seemed like, you know, you wanted to be a mom. And so you made it work for you. Yeah, you made it. Exactly. Yeah. Finishing grad school is a goal, but finishing grad Mm -hmm. school will also expand. Like, yeah, everything has to intertwine. It has to be a personal decision. Yeah. Yeah. We did not put nearly as much thought (laughs) into our decision to have a kid. The experience is a little bit different. Not that this last seven months hasn't affected your life, but maybe your work has been affected less so than your partners (laughs) while she's carrying the baby. Yeah. So I think what's interesting for us too is COVID has really changed the playing field for us because she does get to work from home as opposed to having to go in, which I think would have made it really different because we had semi planned it, but we completely missed our mark. (laughs) Hard to plan something like this. (laughs) It is, but you know, like there's windows that are more optimal than others. Sure. And for her, because she works for a school district, she's on that school calendar. So we figured summertime would be best because then we'd both be off yeah but no we completely missed the mark on that and I think we might get lucky and that her maternity leave is gonna line up well into her winter break okay so I think we did like but really I think I think that this is one of the few good things that has come out of COVID yeah is that it's allowed us to both work from home. And when Leo's here, we'll probably get to work from home also, which which I think sort of makes it a little easier. And it also, I don't know if this was the case for you, but it also sounds like for the next, I don't know how long our house is just going to be a revolving door of guests. Yeah. Ours was a little bit different because we were a state away from where all of our family was. And so we didn't have as many visitors as I imagine we would have if we lived in Kansas at the time when Sutton was first born. And then also COVID has really limited the revolving door effect, but there still is a lot of in and out 
And but yeah, we did the same thing. Like Sutton was born at the beginning of May. We were really fortunate that we were able to, you know, we hit our mark kind of spot on. That's not always the case, obviously. Because parenthood is something like we planned a lot for it, but there are so many things that we didn't even know we needed to plan for. So you can, you can only do so much. (laughs) All right. So let's move forward a little bit aside from planning. So you were, okay, eight months pregnant, I think when you were taking comprehensive exams, which is one of the like major time points in our program. So it was eight months. Yes. Yeah. 30, 35 weeks. So yeah. So what challenges, if any, I'm assuming there were some, did you face while preparing for comps and then while taking comprehensive exams? Yeah, that was rough. Do not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) But after, you know, I was already pregnant. I knew that I was going to comp at some point. I ended up, you know, I wish I would have been able to comp earlier in my second trimester, but by the times I got my lists around and everything, it just didn't really work out. They recommend giving yourself a full semester to do your reading. And if I would have given myself a full semester, I would have been comping over his due date, which I thought sounded even worse. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to really buckle down. And I, so I comped when I was eight months pregnant, as I already said, I was sick my entire pregnancy. I threw up very regularly. So that was probably the hardest challenges. So our comp exams, we got seven days, which is actually a change that they made while I was preparing for my comps. I thought that I was going to have the three day structure question a day. So I was really glad to have the seven days because I was also doing two different birthing classes, parenting classes. I think our breastfeeding and our birthing class were that same week in the evenings. So trying to manage those classes, comping, you know, that you always get all the advice of like, have your meals prepared so that you don't have to stop and cook. Well, I really frequently threw up my first meal. And so I had double meals prepared. And so that was like (laughs) a really complicating thing. It's not comfortable to sit for very long when you're that pregnant. So I did a lot of my typing on like bouncing on my birthing ball, like a yoga ball, trying to change positions. You're not sleeping well because you're anxious about comps. I mean, anybody who's comped knows that is just like a high anxiety time, no matter what, not sleeping well because of comps. I like barely slept. So (laughs) it's like, so kind of like a double whammy, not sleeping well because of pregnancy, not sleeping well because of comps. You have to stop every 20 minutes to go to the bathroom. It was a lot. I was grateful for the seven days. I was really worried on top of comps about the stress that the baby was feeling from my stress. I think that that was probably the worst part is that I was stressed about feeling stressed and how that was affecting Sutton. Jeez. But you got through and it was over with. Thank goodness. And I found out that I passed, I think like a couple of weeks before he came. So that was nice. Yeah. Nice to know the results. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't mean, that have stunk if I had revisions and I was like in labor? Oh, wow. That would have been cruel. That would have been very cruel. Yeah. <laughs> I did that to you. <sighs> and what do you get? Like 30 days? Like a 30 yeah, day turnaround? Something like that. Like a month. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're like in the hospital just had a kid and having to do your revision <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I would have been upset okay so now we've gotten to you know you passed comps Sutton's here first couple of months what was that what was that like because I imagine there were quite a few challenges with those first few months and yeah. balancing your grad school stuff yeah, I think that the hardest part about the first few months was balancing the grad school stuff. So the way it worked out with my fellowship, if I wanted to give myself a true maternity leave as much as that was possible as a grad student, because it's really not, I mean, they give you parental leave, but really that's just like, you're allowed to take a semester off. It's not any form of support. They don't give you any financial support, any, I don't, I think that you get to keep your health insurance, but I didn't want to take a semester off. That wasn't going to be productive for me in any way. So I lined it up because his due date was in May and I was off of my fellowship the year that I was pregnant or like the school year that I was pregnant. Then I lost funding. I didn't have any funding over the summer and my fellowship didn't pick back up until September. So we knew that I wasn't going to have any income. So we prepared for that. I could have taken a research job, but like I said, I wanted to give myself a true maternity leave. So I didn't do it. I didn't sign up to do any work over the summer. But as we know, like being a grad student is an overtime job. It's not a full-time job. It's an overtime job. There's no week that we've only worked 40 hours, probably double that. And even when you try, like you have a baby and you, I didn't have any research positions going on. Your colleagues don't stop. The research doesn't stop. The projects that you're working on don't stop. And so it was, it was really hard. And I felt like everybody around me understood and was trying to give me space and time, but there's just certain things that I was like obligated to do. And so I worked as little as possible, but also as much as possible to keep things going. So that was really hard to manage that time because, you know, your newborn sleeps for like 20 minute stretches. 20 minutes is not very long, especially when you're considering the fact that you've not showered or eaten since the last time they gave you a 20 minute stretch. And oftentimes when your newborn sleeping, at least in my, my situation, I was holding him because that time was like so cherished to me. Like they're only that little for so long. So for the first few months, I loved to hold him for his naps. And so you have the mom guilt if you put him down and you have the grad student guilt that we all know. And if you don't put him down. So navigating that time was especially hard those first few months, I think. Even though everybody is understanding, you know, my family, my partnership with my husband is like very equal. He's changed far more diapers than I have, like far more diapers than I have. But there's some things that he can't do. Like I nurse and so he can't do that. We did do the whole pumping thing for various reasons. My son has a lot of eating restrictions, food restrictions. I had 4,000 ounces of breast milk that I had to give away because he wasn't able to eat it. So for different reasons, that didn't work out. But finding the balance at the time is definitely the hardest. Ooh, yeah, that sounds tough. <laughs> <laughs> and taking what a two month old on a plane for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Like I forgot that even happened. So yeah. Uh, Jen and I, yeah. I was at the JRCD workshop. Yeah. We attended a workshop that was held by JRCD in Maryland when Sutton was only two and a half months old. Well, 
I repress (laughs) (laughs) then myself, my mom, bless her heart came with us. And then my two and a half month old son, we got on those airplanes, which worst airplane rides ever. I'm pretty sure both ways we sat in the airplane, not moving for like three hours. Yeah. At least two, if not three, (laughs) like it was absurd. And this is pre COVID. This Mm -hmm. was like, just normal traveling. Wow. Yeah. And we, yep. First air. He was so good though. So good. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And so that whole workshop, that's another thing, the whole workshop, I was using my brakes to pump and I was like, really, you know, I felt so empowered during that workshop because I was like, I'm freaking doing it. Like I am, I'm a momming superhero. I'm a graduate student superhero. Like nobody can stop me, but like, damn, I was tired. <laughs> I was like, that had to have been hard, right? Like, <laughs> we were up. First time, I was like, I can do this. Like, I've got this. Yeah. And you and did. like a million times since then, I felt that way, but also a million times since then, I've been like, what is happening? <laughs> I can't do this. I'm such a roller coaster. But you just defended your proposal. And, so, yeah. and you're getting to wrap up your graduate experience what are some of the new challenges that you face now that you're sort of at the towards the tail end of your graduate school career there's so many challenges but right now I feel like we're all facing some new challenges with like the weight of the world yeah so when Sutton was four and a half months old we made the decision to leave Colorado and move to Kansas where both of our families are that was in September 2019, the end of September 2019, that we made that decision, which was completely unexpected. We thought we would never leave Colorado if we had the option. But something about a new little human coming into the world, we just really wanted him to be close to his grandparents and his cousins. That was really important to us. So we sold our house and moved back to Kansas, which, thank goodness, honestly, like we made that decision purely because we wanted the relationships to be able to happen, not because we were feeling overwhelmed with care or anything. We had care lined up. I felt supported with our friends and we had aunt and uncle that lived in Colorado. So I felt supported. We just wanted the relationships, but between COVID and then some unexpected health things that Sutton has gone through, I literally don't think that we could have done it in Colorado being in quarantine and we're social scientists. We know how many variables are involved in human behavior. There's just so many unexpected things. I don't know. The challenges are just like never ending, literally never ending. But that's that's the beauty of it. It's just like, I mean, any other time in graduate school, we all feel overwhelmed. I remember when Sutton was like three weeks old being like, what did I used to do with my time? Like, why was I not productive before? I swear I could write like a thousand articles now in one day. Like, what did I used to do? We tell David that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That time has passed. (laughs) Lost time. But there's always going to be something that fills your time and something that's a challenge. I guess that's the point. Like my challenge right now is being a parent, but Jen has challenges. Jose, I'm sure you have challenges. You're about to have a few more yes. in a different way, but it's like, it's just, it's beautiful because you also have like so much more beauty coming into your life from being a parent. 
that I didn't have before. So we all have it. Just looks different. Yeah. So speaking of you moving to Kansas, another piece of advice that I've gotten from several people was don't move while you're in your program. So back when I was at, at Cal State LA, I had a couple of professors who didn't finish their PhDs until years nine or 10 because they left the state that their school was in and moved to Southern California. And, the, and they told me, you know, if you want to finish quickly, don't move. But you moved, you're in, <laughs> you're in Kansas. So what have been some of the challenges of being in a different state than where you're going to school? Yeah, maybe I deserve an award for like doing all of the things you're told not to do. <laughs> and still staying on track with and what you wanted. Right. And honestly, that's not intentional because Jen knows like I am a rule follower. Like I do what I'm supposed to do. So this is kind of funny. I never thought about it this way, but I have done a few things that I wasn't supposed to do as a graduate student. Honestly, so earlier you said that one of the only good things that have come out of COVID is that you and your wife have been able to like have this time together. But honestly, I think that for me, a lot of things good have come out of COVID and this being one of them because so one of the challenges that I talked with David a lot before we moved was how I was going to stay connected when I wasn't able to be on campus and so I moved in September, the rest of that fall semester, I was really feeling that I was like, Oh, I'm not doing a very good job of staying connected. But then lucky me, <laughs> global <laughs> pandemic <laughs> hit, and now everybody's feeling disconnected and everything is going virtual. So really, unless I tell people that I'm not in Colorado, people don't even know when I'm sitting in on a class or a meeting. I could also be so really that's been great for me that's true I hadn't even thought of it like that yeah yeah being on the job market and not being able to travel like it's been kind of like I don't feel like I'm missing out on networking I'm sitting in a lot of like workshops for the academic and non-academic job market that I maybe wouldn't have you know, been able to facilitate doing virtually, but since everybody's virtual, it's really like kind of been to my benefit. So lately I've not been feeling the weight of moving away from Colorado the way I was at first a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. (laughs) The one positive of COVID. (laughs) Except for that. Oh man. All right. So you did mention this just barely like two questions ago. So we've asked, tons of questions about the challenges that have come with becoming a parent while in grad school. So what joys or positives have come out of becoming a parent while in grad school? Literally so many. So anybody who knows me beforehand, I always gave the advice of getting a dog in grad school, which a lot of people would say, do not get a pet, especially in your first year. But I got a a pet in my first year and maybe it was my circumstance. Like I had a partner who was really supportive, really involved pulls I don't even feel like it's appropriate to say pulls his weight in the relationship because there's like that gives the feeling that there's weight to be pulled like whatever I had support and so we got two dogs we did it twice and I always I always advocated for that because I thought it gave the best like release something else to focus on for a little bit of time that was like just pure joy like Nobody is happier for you to freaking come home than your dogs. <laughs> That's true. 
nobody like my husband loves me but he doesn't jump on me and like yelp at the top of his lungs when I open the door like your dogs do so I always advocated for that give you something that is just going to give you pure joy unconditionally and like kids are kind of the same way granted sometimes that's in the form of whining at your feet but also they love you unconditionally and I don't know honestly like what brings me more joy like getting a publication or like your son like finding his belly button for the first time like (laughs) those things are little things day to day that maybe you took for granted I never knew when I was pregnant that like Sutton finding his belly button was going to be such a source of joy in my life, but it is. So I think the little things and they all out, all outweigh the hard things like times a million. And I know people say that all the time. You have no way to ever plan or know how tired you're going to be as a parent, especially as a graduate student parent, because like I said, these are two overtime jobs, graduate students, parents, neither of them really turn off ever. And that's such a challenge. But no, it's like totally all worth it. It's the greatest. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No regrets, Jose. No regrets. <laughs> Even when you're like Sutton's going through some sleeping stuff right now. And my God, it's hard. But it's still like totally worth it. He's a little cutie, so. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Very cute, biased, but. It's true, though. (laughs) I have to say, I think the Mandrake picture is still one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah, it's really trying to Halloween this year. Yeah, we're still working on that. It's hard. We don't know what Halloween's going to look like with COVID. And he's, like I mentioned, his skin and his eating is, like, so sensitive. I don't even know how far to go with Halloween. But part of me is, like, go all out. Because why not? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, maybe not that much. But can you tell us a little bit about your current career goals? <laughs> that face. <laughs> <laughs> current career goals are to have a career (laughs) really this is going back this isn't a parenthood exclusive challenge I think that everybody right now who's on the job market has this shared sense of like fear of what's going to happen are there going to be enough jobs I think that I'm kind of fortunate in that becoming a parent has really made me more open to different career paths than I was originally thinking. So I had already kind of expanded my search and my thoughts about what I wanted to do, which now I think is kind of necessary because of COVID for everybody to do. So I kind of had, I was a little bit ahead of the ball game in that sense. But yeah, I think I'm hitting all of the markets, the academic job market, the non-academic job market, the postdoc market, the everything in between market, trying to expand my network as well as you can when the conferences are getting canceled, trying to make connections and talk to people and get my materials around with 
a kid at home is kind of hard for some reason. Like I wasn't planning that very well. I like passed my proposal and was like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath for a minute and get caught back up on everything that I was behind on. And then all of a sudden I was behind on my job market materials, but I'm getting there. It will all be okay. I think one of the other challenges is that now I'm on all of the markets and those look very differently. Like the academic market Mm -hmm. is hitting now. And I imagine probably all the way through spring now because of COVID and then the non-academic market is kind of fluid all the time, but moves much quicker. So I'm like seeing all of these non-academic jobs, but I'm not like really ready to have a job right now because I have funding until August, but then these postdocs are coming through. And so like, no, no, it's like navigating this new space, which you would think I was good at by now because, you know, like something about grad school that totally prepares you for parenthood is that like, once you get comfortable, things change like your courses and then you're working on your third year paper and then comps and then your dissertation and then you're an RA and then you're a TA and then it's a new class and it's a new class prep and it's a new project. Like once you get comfortable, things change. That's exactly how parenthood is. You know, there's always teething or some illness, developmental milestone, whatever that comes up. It's always changing. And that's what the market is right now also. So there's like, you know, my mom who provides care for my son will be like, what's next week look like? And I'm like, I'll let you know next week. because <laughs> I have no idea what anything is supposed to be looking like right now. And maybe that's like the point that there's, there's no rule book yeah. for any of the things that I'm doing, which is challenging, but all of your life's up in the air right now. <laughs> I mean, I answered the question, what are yeah. my career goals to get a career? yeah and yeah and then Sutton kind of changed those goals or opened them up even farther which was kind of beneficial for you right now been beneficial for sure yeah all right so last question okay what advice do you have for other graduate students who are either wanting to expand their family or have a child or find themselves becoming a parent while in grad school sure So I probably have a few. So I've actually, this is like a very isolating experience, even though I don't, at least in our department, I've not had any negative experiences from it. I mentioned the women who were pregnant just a couple years before me. I really think that they like trailblazed and like made my life so much easier. They got everybody kind of on board, at least with thinking, even if they don't agree with the decision to start a family in graduate school, at least like to the point that it wasn't like, you know, you're doing what? So that was, that was good. But I think just following your gut, not letting graduate school or wherever you are in your career dictate when you want to start your family, it will work out. People will adapt. You will adapt. Your family will adapt. Your program will adapt. It's 2020 people like we can make these things work. Mm -hmm women are working, men are working both in home and professionally all over the world. We can do it in academia also. I think the next thing is try and find a network. It's really hard. Like something about when you become a parent, and I don't think that this is only in graduate school. I think that this is kind of universal. You all of a sudden become unrelatable 
to the people who aren't parents yet. And I don't think that that's intentional. I don't think that it's done maliciously at all. Everybody wants to support you, but there's just something about your experience that like they, they can't relate to anymore, even if it is in their future trajectory, if you're on the same trajectory and eventually someday they want to be parents. And even sometimes the parents who are like way further along than you who have, you know, maybe teenagers, something about this time entering parenthood or having a newborn, having a young toddler makes you very unrelatable. So try and find a network of people who you can connect to that are in the same life spot because like you're really going to need it. And if that's online, a virtual network, that's fine. Just somebody that you can be like, I was up six times in the night with my child and I just love the crap out of them. Like (laughs) you just need somebody who can like understand both of those playing fields. And then I think my last bit of advice is to like, and you probably hear this like a million times, but really try and find something that puts you first. Cause as we've talked about a lot, parenthood is an overtime job. Graduate student is an overtime job and you have so much guilt. I mean, I know that like through grad school, I've talked with both of you. I've talked with everybody about you just have guilt every time you're not working. You get an email. If you ignore the email, you have guilt. If you don't ignore the email, then you have anxiety or you have anxiety. If you don't read the email, if you do read the email, no matter what, and parenthood is a lot the same, unfortunately, like you have guilt. If you are, you have guilt. If you're not. And a lot of times, in order to fit everything in for me to feel like I spent enough time with Sutton and that I spent enough time working. That means like I don't sleep or I don't shower or I don't eat or I don't check in with my family and friends. And I'm still working on making sure that that's not where I fall short. Sometimes it will be my professional life that needs to fall short so that I can shower. Like that's a fundamental, well, okay. It's a need. I need to do it sometimes. I showered for this occasion. I had to put it in my calendar to shower so that I could Zoom with you guys. Like, it's, it's hard to not, not feel guilty, and it's easiest to sell yourself short. And so try not to do that as much as possible. I don't have advice for how to improve it, but that's also something that I'm working on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because my two cents on advice, you know, I'm obviously not where Kendra is right now. But I do think, and I was telling Jen this earlier, that it's probably something you want to think about at least a little bit if you want to have a kid in grad school. Because it was a little stressful having, like I said, I didn't plan it out as much as Kendra did, or I should say we my wife and I did not plan that as much as Kendra did, but just having a semblance of a plan and a timeline, I think made it a little easier when the news finally came. Like if it had been a complete accident, I probably would have felt a little more stressed out having to think on really quickly how everything was going to change. But, you know, I already sort of had an idea of how things were going to happen. COVID hadn't really hit at that point. So that kind of did throw things into a loop a little bit. But I actually think it did work out for the better. So, like, you know, I didn't tell anybody that I was going to have a kid. I still don't tell people unless I feel like I really have to tell them. But, you know, I obviously had to tell David at some point and it was probably best to do it before he was here 
No, so. I don't see <laughs> the privilege that you have. Like yeah. you have the option of when and how you told people that I think when you're the one carrying the yes. baby, you don't necessarily. So finish your thought, but the, I have another piece of advice that that brings up. <laughs> yeah, no, so I was just going to say, like, you know, when I told David, thankfully, he was on board with it. And he sort of helped me come up with a little bit of a plan. But the plan changed a little bit because of COVID. But yeah, I think even just having a rough outline would be helpful. Yeah. So kind of expanding on, I had said earlier to like follow your, do what's best for your own family. But so since I've had Sutton, I've like, I don't want to say mentored because that makes it sound more official, but I've spoken with, given advice to four different women at CU and beyond who are navigating the same playing field, trying to start a family. How does that fit in with academia, et cetera, et cetera. And something that always happens is, the feeling that we need to get permission to do it from our chair, if you're already a faculty, from our advisor, from whoever it is. And like, I just like, I had the same feeling, but when I hear other people say it, I'm like, just don't hold that weight. You don't need somebody's permission to tell you that you can start your family. And I know that that's hard and that's scary. And one of the things that I did really intentionally, like Jen mentioned earlier, I was loud and proud about wanting to have a baby in grad school. I don't think that there was anybody who had spoken to me <laughs> for more than five minutes, probably that didn't know that I was planning to have a baby in grad school. And that can also be a scary territory maybe because it is pretty stigmatized. But I felt like for me, it would be easier to put that worm in people's ears leading up to it so that when I walked into the, the symposium with a nine month pregnant belly the you know the director of IBS wasn't like interesting you know they knew <laughs> they probably had heard me talking about it two years ago I mean if anything they're probably like oh this Kendra delivers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it yeah to the point that like to the extent that you feel comfortable and to the extent that it is your intention and that you are planning this decision which I realize isn't always the case letting it be known. Don't try and keep it a secret unless it's important to you, but don't feel like you have to keep it a secret. Hopefully that doesn't influence your job. I always told myself that if a job didn't want to hire me because I was pregnant nursing or planning a family that I didn't want that job. I know that's a personal decision and not everybody feels that way, but it, it was something that was important to me. And so I didn't ever want to feel like I had to hide the literal most important part of my life. So that's my other advice. That's crazy that, I mean, I haven't really even considered having a kid, so that hasn't come across my mind, but that people have felt the need to get permission. Yeah. I just thought- Every single person that I've talked to, four women in the last, since COVID started, I've actually had phone conferences for two people who are graduate students or partners of graduate students, one faculty member, and one woman who was looking to become a graduate student and looking for to see if she even wanted to because she knew she wanted to start a family and every single one of them has talked about well maybe I should talk to my chair before I do this maybe I should talk to my advisor before I do this and ask if they think that that's okay which I told you I I had the meeting with Steph and I didn't feel like at the time I was asking for permission 
but maybe I kind of was. To get feedback on it. Yeah. Would this be an okay time? Like, yeah, that's such a personal decision. Like I would, I don't like that. That's something that we feel like we have to do. So I do have one more question that just sort of creeped up in my head. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask it, seeing how this is the CRIM Academy. So being a criminologist, how has that impacted your parenting? Because I've thought about this a lot. (laughs) And I want to just maybe feel like I'm not alone in my, what do I bring to the table? Knowledge on crime. Yeah, so a criminologist and a sociologist, both of those permeate my parenting, like, so much. I think that, you know, I'm from a small Midwest town. Things are done a certain way here, and I've definitely probably not done it the way that my family and friends have expected. I've talked to David before, and I know David's talked to me about his kids, like, you know, seeing somebody pulled over and you know, Cyrus asking daddy, why, why did he commit crime? And David, like going all like social control. Why didn't (laughs) your mind? So we're not, Sutton's not to the age that we're like having those conversations, but especially with what's going on in the world right now, the racial, racial injustices, RBG's death, the election, the social disparities, health disparities going on with COVID, like, Sutton's only 16 months, but he has gotten an earful about the way that I feel about all of these situations and the way that we as citizens, as people with privilege should be moving forward. So that's maybe more sociological than criminological. I've not really like had any hands-on examples for how, well, I mean, I guess like, yeah, when we're talking about racial injustices, obviously it's all intertwined. But it for sure is going to be a heavy, heavy part of your parenting. I think that it's beautiful and great. I think other people think I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have found sure. myself reading a couple of weeks ago, I was reading this article that was an evaluation of a parenting program that incorporates social learning theory. I was like, yeah. yes, I like, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> As the learning theorist in me was like, yes, we're going to use learning theory to raise my child. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. And I'm also like, I know what the correlates for delinquency are and like, what are the risk factors for gang joining? So let's just avoid those. Yeah, we're just going to avoid all of these. Also things like deterrence when Kyle's talking about like what we do and don't know about deterrence working and like severity and so then I go home and I'm like I'm not going to give you a harsher punishment for you know throwing the toothpaste and getting it on the wall I'm going to make you feel very certain that you're going to you know (laughs) doing like my husband is probably like okay can we just like get the toothpaste cleaned up and move off the wall (laughs) move on It's fine. I feel like just as graduate students, also like the amount of research that I do for every single parenting decision from the second I decided I wanted to be a parent until now, like the toys that we play with, the products that we use, like I I can't ever turn my research brain off. I don't know if that's a shared experience with all graduate students or if that's just unique to me. (laughs) But Well, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, I do that too. Yeah. when we, 
Maybe yeah, that like, was life. I don't have a baby, <laughs> but I do that with life. So <laughs> like this is like a graduate student thing. And I like felt like I had my life under control. And then I realized that there was another life that I needed to like figure out a whole, like, you know, the, the baby industry is just massive. So yeah, it all started uh, over and here we are still. Uh, yeah. When like looking to like for cribs, car seats, like, oh man, like just hours and hours. Diapers, shampoos, and like, still like keeping in mind that these are humans and there's so many variables involved because before Sutton got here, I was like, I have the perfect shampoo. I have the perfect lotion. And he's like allergic to all of them. So (laughs) jokes on me, hundreds and hundreds of hours spent and like, you still can't get it right. And that's just like parenthood. That's just how parenthood is. Like you have to adapt graduate students. We have to adapt. We are just really fortunate that we have a special skill set that might let us adapt more efficiently. That's how I look at it. It's a good way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah. I'm so qualified to be parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kendra, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you know, thank you. This was thank very insightful. And is there anything that you'd like to plug? Anything coming out soon? I mean, people should be on the lookout for Kendra. She is looking for a job. Yeah, hopefully by March. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I'll be just about wrapping up my dissertation and defending. So if you're looking to hire, I have some skills you might be interested in. She has lots of skills, everyone. Lots of skills. (laughs) Check out my CV. Where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? Just email, ResearchGate, Google Scholar? Yeah, email would probably be best. I'm not super active on Twitter. I do have a Twitter my handle is at Kendra J. Clark. And then my, my email is Kendra.Clark at Colorado.edu. Yeah, I really need to pick up my social media game. This really ages me. Maybe it's a mom thing. <laughs> I was like, you're younger than both of us. You're just busier. You have a human that you're trying to <laughs> keep alive. I'm just like, not very good at social media in general. Yeah. Feel free to email me. I'm <laughs> a better email. All right. Well, that's all we have. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, guys. Bye. The Criminology Academy is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Crim Academy. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Alternatively, let us know what you think of the episode by leaving us a comment on our website, thecriminologyacademy.com. And lastly, share the Crim Academy episodes with your friends and family.